Be Coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant, located at 1515 Southeast 17th Street Causeway in Fort Lauderdale. Here, you'll feel part of the yachting tradition of South Florida as you experience the Boatyard's hooked-table, seafood-eccentric menu with fresh catches listed by name of the fisherman who caught them. The Boatyard's open kitchen is also known for premium grilled cuts of meat and a menu that's sourced from local ingredients. Sit inside in modern nautical-themed rooms or dockside and watch the boats cruise by as you enjoy lunch, dinner, and Sunday brunch. Monday through Friday, the locals know that the Boatyard's happy hour is the best place to gather for bar bites and handcrafted cocktails at great prices. And don't miss out on Ladies' Night every Thursday. Call ahead to book your reservation today at 954-525-7400. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Everybody, welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. I'm out here with Dennis Friel today, Connected by Waters. Um, Dennis, good to, uh, good to be here in your studio. My pleasure to have you. I didn't think I was walking into uh, an art studio like this. I was not expecting all this. Yeah, um, it's it's taken us a while to get it to this point, but we're you know we're happy with uh, where we're at with it. Yeah, I bet, man. Like, it looks great. You got the art up all over the place. It looks like you guys are doing tons of business. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in um, Dennis's podcast studio mm-hmm. and if you guys want to check out dennis's podcast studio it is really cool connected by waters go on youtube they do the videos where you can see the whole thing the different guests they bring them right in here and if you have not seen it make sure you go to youtube search connected by waters and check out dennis Friel's um podcast and his man cave slash <laughs> studio very impressive i appreciate that man yeah man cave that's that's probably a good way to put it right it's yeah this it's all encompassing around here we got beer we got couches or like we got fishing rods we got tvs i think i think all the best i think well i think the uh most of the people that have cool man caves you know um i don't know they just seem to perform at like extremely high level you yeah ever, you ever see andy mills man cave no, I haven't actually. Watch uh, George's show that he did with Andy. Yeah, that was like the one episode that I haven't seen. Yeah, yet. watch yeah. that. You can get you know right on YouTube. Um, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, George God's show Unfathomed. Um, he did a shark a spinner shark episode with Andy Mill, and um, it bounced back and forth from them fishing to his man cave to fishing to his man cave. And um, considering I do so much fishing, I was more interested in seeing the man cave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you guys, make sure you check out Je- Dennis's on uh, on YouTube. And um, how's that been going for you? How's the uh, the YouTube production working? It, it looks like a million bucks. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, it's it's cool. I mean, I'm still learning about the whole thing. Um, you know, I, we're enjoying the hell out of it. And that's really the big plus for me is that I'm just having a blast. I'm fortunate enough uh, to have been able to have an A-list of guests come on so far. I think we've recorded about 24 or 25 so far. Right on. Um, so it's really kind of been impressive to me. It's probably actually been the most impressive part of the whole thing is, um, you know, the people that, you know, I have gotten to agree to come on um, and, you know, be a part of the show, you know, and like, like all those people that say, yeah, we'll be there for you when you need the support have been and it's really been really really cool it um, is cool you know well yeah, obviously you know um got the respect and the impression where they want to be with you so that's a good job way to go on that thanks um talk to me a little bit about um talk to me a little bit about how um you've been able to create such a dynamic business and what most people don't wouldn't consider like a business. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess a lot of people, we talked about this a little bit before where um, everyone kind of has maybe a prototypical idea of what an artist is. And maybe they don't ever take them serious as business people because they think their heads are la-la land or whatever, especially if someone who has the really zany idea of coming, you know, painting fish for a living. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I have a, a 
background as a professional artist before we opened up the studio, um, working in the music business, uh, running the team of artists for billion-dollar companies. So um, I did have somewhat of a business mind when it comes to the business of art before we opened up the studio. Um, I think that was very helpful into the success that we're kind of seeing today. Talk to me a little bit about the business part of it. How, how did, um, what did you, you learn the business from the music business? Yeah, so um, we can go back a little bit of ways if, if you want it to go before that. It would probably help, like, maybe explain how I got into the music business. Well, it's just, I want, I want you know, like, it's so much to digest, all this, everything that I'm seeing. Yeah. And I know it didn't come easy. No, mm -hmm. Nothing good like this comes easy. And I'd like the audience to understand, you know, how somebody like you with the artistic mind was able to juggle and to morph your artistic values and ideas into a real business. I mean, we're in a, dude, guys, we're in an office building here. He has to pay his rent. He has employees. He has a real business going on. Yep. He's not just sitting on the beach, you know, spending his spare time or all his time, you know, drawing the sunset. He's running a real business out here. So how to, how the hell did you did did you get to that point? I think that's probably the most frustrating part about what I do during the course of a day is the fact that I'm staring at my passion all day long and for the most part I'm not out there like you guys are. I know there's a trade-off to that. Um Maybe like a, what is that story, the prince and the pauper, right? Where, you know, there's, you might be on the water every day, but that's probably a hard grind for you too. And a lot of people might not see that part of it. They probably just see you holding a bunch of fish or catching a bunch of tarpon and go, man, I don't want to be behind my desk. I want to be doing that all day. All right. Um, but, you know, being that I'm painting fish and drawing fish and designing apparel all day and I'm managing a staff and, um, you know, making sure that all the, spreadsheets are in balance um you know it, it, it's sometimes difficult to um not want to be that guy sitting on the beach you know laying back no shoes on sitting in the sun and maybe painting coconuts <laughs> <laughs> but um you know at the end of the day there's a lot of value to doing it the right way um doing something the right way so um you know we see i started this business, well, I started Dennis Real Art Studios, um, Dennis Real Art Studios proper, probably about six or seven years ago. Um, we entered into a partnership this year uh, with a very good partner who really believes in what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and that's when we turned it into Connected by Water. Okay. So how that kind of evolved was that we, when we started this podcast, um, we were trying to think of a name. And I came up with, originally, I was so stuck on the name Livewell. And Livewell, I like that, I like that, I like that. But then after, after a while, I'm like, eh, it's a little bit too, like, fishing. Too much fishing. Right. You know right. what I mean? Because, no, you. you know, I wanted to be a little bit more about the culture behind and the lifestyle behind of what we do. Right. Um, you know, being that, you know, most of the people that we're going to have on the show are just people that just grew up in the area, whether or not they're fishermen or whether or not, you know, they're to do something else. Um, I didn't want that to be, you know, something that stops someone from coming on the show. Um, if they didn't fish, you know, I didn't want them to feel awkward and it's not a fishing show. Uh, so we, you know, the live one, and I come to find out live one was taken. I'm like, oh, well, then it's that. So we started the search on for something else. And my wife was like, well, you know, explain to me who's coming on. And I told her pretty much what I just told you. And she's, and she's like, okay. And I'm like, well, hey, I, she's like, well, how are they all connected to you? I'm like, well, I guess they're all just connected to me by water. She's like, why don't you name it that? <laughs> right, that I'm was... like, all right, cool. And you just rolled with it. That's it. We just rolled with it. Nice. Then we entered into the partnership with Harris, and we were looking for a company name. And I'm like, well, why don't we just name the whole damn company that? So we did. That's it. So we, we evolved into Connected by Water. But we're still using, like, the D-Frail signature as, like, the lead-in to the whole thing. Right, right, right. Um. But yeah, so that that's kind of what evolved us to where we are technically today. But you know, going back, um, I could take you through that. You know, when I was first at um, the Wildfish Collection um, as an artist right in high school. Right. Um, when you know this is this old gallery, art gallery that was right at the foot of the Atlantic Bridge, which is funny because the Atlantic Boulevard Bridge, um, that project really came full circle. 
for us um, in a lot of ways. And if you don't know what uh, Dennis is talking about, is Dennis was uh, fortunate enough to be able to paint mm -hmm. the image on the bridge right there, and that's what Atlantic, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so everybody that's you know a real guy and is fishing every day gets to go by there and hopefully then you know make puts them in the right frame of mind to actually you know get out yeah. in the ocean and do the right thing. Yeah, it's cool about that project. The uh, city basically wanted me to paint what to me defined Pompano Beach. Really? Yeah, and um, that's why I kind of went with so many different species of fish because I wanted something that spoke to the town um, from the perspective of, you know, what's a fishing town? Right. And Pompano was, needs to keep that character to it, whereas, you know, parts of Miami and Fort Lauderdale just become so big that it's more like a yachting thing. And But, you know, obviously there's fishing all over South Florida. But I don't think Fort Lauderdale knows what the hell it wants to be anymore. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. Yeah, they're um, all over the board. Do they want to be a big fucking New York City? Right. You know, with friggin' trolleys and friggin' water taxis and everything, you know. Or do they want to be... The hoity-toity restaurants and right. the whole I thing, mean, yeah. You know, everybody in the world came to Fort Lauderdale for the beach and the water. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, unless you were staying on the beach or you were staying on the water, you don't even see it in Fort Lauderdale anymore, which is a goddamn shame. Yeah, it's a shame. I you know, know? Yeah, I mean, I went to high school out there. Um, you know, I was kind of born and raised in this area um in our coral Springs studio but i went to high school in fort lauderdale um you went to cardinal gibbons i went to gibbons yeah and i went to st thomas oh you did yeah now if you, the audience doesn't know but st thomas and cardinal gibbons are like the two schools in fort lauderdale that are catholic schools dun, and they dun, kind dun, of been dun, at dun, each dun, other for a long time yep but i gotta tell you something hmm. my 13 year old wants to go to gibbons now I decided to go to Gibbons because I had I had to go to Catholic school. That was not an option in my family. Okay. And uh, so I got to choose between the two schools. So I chose the one that was near the beach. Good choice. That's how I made my decision. That's not a bad choice. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm I had a lot of great friends, you know, from from Cardinal Gibbons High mm -hmm. School. And then now that my kids going there, you know, I guess I'll have to wear red. Yep. Instead of blue all the time. Yep. But uh, deep down. I'm, I'm St. Thomas Aquinas. He's um, a raider. I'm a raider. But uh, that is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. What year did you graduate? 92. Okay, I graduated in 86. 86. I'm a, little, a little older, if you can't tell by the... I got more gray on my beard than Dennis has. So, I don't know. I'm getting there, though. I'm starting to get these spots here in the front that's like, you know... Yeah, trust me. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> but the... Um, I, was, I was really fired up to find out that... Um, that a local artist from you know the local area was able to paint the bridge down there on Atlantic, mm -hmm. because in Fort Lauderdale, in typical Fort Lauderdale fashion, they got Guy Harvey to paint theirs. Mm -hmm. And you know we got the Art Institute, you know, in Fort Lauderdale. It's been there forever, and all these different artists, you know, down here in South Florida. And then um, when Guy Harvey got the uh, the contract or job or whatever, however it worked out, mm -hmm. um, where he was able to do the Los Olds Bridge in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I found out how much they paid that dude. And I was like, man, I was like, I kind of wish that would have went to a local guy. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, that, yeah, that, that project was a long time ago. Um, I remember um, seeing it happen when I was a kid. And, you know, I always thought, oh, yeah, it'd be great to be in that position one day. And now that I am, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool. I bet. Um, but that was one of the things with the with the city of Pompano when they called me and they asked me like, "Hey, do you want to do this project?" Um, it wasn't like a call to artists or anything like that. They 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 called me and asked me to do it. Um, of course, I jumped at it and I said, "Yeah, for sure, um, I'll do that." Um, but uh, one of the things was that they wanted to make sure that they were able to kind of showcase their local talent through the project. Um, and being that that it's funny because. Um, that really, that beach, um, you know, the pier, you know, that whole lighthouse, this whole inlet, this, that kind of little area, that's that's really where I, I got all my chops doing everything. Um, you know, fishing for Pompano off the beach, surfing Silver Thatch and Second Street. and That was your real stomping grounds. That's it. That's it right there. Um, you, know, you know, I had a bunch of my friends in that area and, you know, and they used to, the, the rodeo used to do their weigh-ins right there. Um, at that marina, you know, mm -hmm, right near mm -hmm. Houston's and everything. And um, really, it's kind of like a special corner for me. And going back to the thing we were talking about with the Wildfish Collection, that gallery was right there at the foot of the bridge. 
Um, so I walk in there as a 17-year-old kid one day. I said, hey, I had a few drawings on my hands. I'm like, can I hang my stuff in here? And it was like a couple of sailfish pieces, like a mahi or whatever it was at the time. Um, and th- I think they were just so kind of enamored with that this little kid walked in. I said, yeah, you know, they rubbed my head. They're like, yeah, we'll put you up, buddy. You know what I mean? And I always look at that as a very interesting point for me trying to see, you know, I can paint fish for a living. Because if they had have said no to that, I mean, you know, I might have been discouraged and I might not have pursued it because I ended up going to art school um, shortly after, you know, having my work hung uh, in that gallery. And, um, you know, I came out working in the music business and, you know, I worked there for 17 years. I always painted fish. I never stopped painting fish because that's really, truly my love. Um, But, you know, if they had said no, then you don't know. You know, I might have just never pursued what we're in the middle of doing right now. Right. So you think you thinking you thinking that um, that was probably a, a a big turning point in your life where you said to yourself, you know, painting and being an artist it actually you know can take me somewhere. Yeah, no, it it, it wiped away the frost on the window for me. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, Reed and Mary Alice Blair, I have to give them credit. They were sort of the artists. I mean, I've I've openly given them credit before, uh, and I want to do it every time I get a chance because they really. Um, really really are a big reason i think why i'm sitting here doing this today it's funny you know there's always something or somebody Mm -hmm. you know that can um inspire you in some way or somehow and it and you you never know where it's going to come from or exactly how it's going to happen Mm -hmm. but you got to feel fortunate you know to know that it happened to you at some point in your life yeah you know i mean not everyone gets opportunities like that or Maybe not even, not everyone recognizes when the opportunity's in front of them, too. You know, and I think you got to go into every situation with open eyes and an open heart, you know. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, I always give kids the time of day because of them. Mm-hmm. You know, people message me all the time, you know, with social media and they'll email me. Um, and a lot of young guys, too, and they'll, they'll even email me drawings that they did. Hey, what do you think? They want to get my opinion. Um and I always think that's the coolest thing. And I always try to say something positive, uh, whether the work's good or not. You know what I mean? You know, I just want to, I don't want to be the guy to be like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be doing this for a living. Don't you know, quit your day job, kid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of times beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And you never know if that person's a hard worker. Um, they can make something of that, you know, if they really, really love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that's so important, I think, in anything you do. Fishing's no different. Um, I always make correlation and parallels to fishing and art because I think fishing is an art. There's, you know, you got to really work hard at it. But there's also, you know, fishing is about the little things, yeah. you know, and paying attention to the little things. Yeah. And art's really the same thing. The art is in the details and the same thing with fishing. Well, I think you, um, you've, you've been able to take it to another level because, yes, you're an artist, but running a business like this... Yeah, that's the it's hard not, part. Yeah, that's not for everybody. Same with the fishing world. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys that are, you know, really good at fishing and are good guides. But, man, business, they just don't get. Yep. And what, you learned that working for somebody else? Yeah, well, when I was working at Alliance Entertainment, we were the world's largest distributor of um, physical DVDs, Blu-rays, CDs. Right? So I tell people I work in the music business. So it was really the entertainment business. Right. But the biggest relationships we had were with the record labels. Okay. Universal, Warner Brothers, Sony, all their sub-labels like Sub Pop and you know, Island and like all, all the, you name it, right? And we were it in the music business. And... At one point, we did so much distribution, we were UPS's largest customer this side of the Mississippi. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, we were like the biggest company you'd never heard of. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, right. We were an in-between. We were a one-stop, right? So, like, you got to think every... Tuesday comes rolling around as a new release day in okay. the music business. You know, if you're a mom-and-pop record store, you're not calling Universal saying, hey, what's new this week? You need, like, a one-stop and in-between. that had a full-on marketing department that we were advertising to you. We were telling you what was coming out. Uh, we also advertised directly to consumer. So when it was all said and done, I worked there for 17 years. And I had about 20 designers working underneath me. And I ran the full department um, as senior creative director. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it was a pretty good job. Benefits, you know, it was, it was a, you know, I got some people working there, they're lifers. Right. Um, but, yes, but, you know, at the end of the day, 
I had a passion for painting fish. The painting and that was wasn't in going there. away. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I've always fished, I always wanted you know, but I was never um a professional fisherman level guy like yourself, but you know, it was always a passion of mine. I always loved it. Um and always loved painting it. And every time I would go out in the water, I'd bring a little bit of little bit of it back with me. Um I always say that to this day because now with as busy as the studio has been, we I don't get out like nearly as much as I'd like to or have in the past. Um, so now whenever I do get out, I always really, really see the contrast and the difference when I come back into the studio and what it does for me. Um, well, you know, um, not being able to get out sometimes is okay. Yeah. And, and i tell you why. is because when you are out, you value it that much more that's really true you know what i mean i do know what you mean thousand percent yeah and i see that with the clients that i take out because i know damn well they'd love to be out there all the time but Mm -hmm. they they can't be so i know that every minute they're out there they're tanking it all in yeah and then and then as an artist where you're trying to take everything in and then express yourself by giving it back pushing it back out there that's awesome it's kind of like uh I don't know. You get to recharge your batteries. Yeah, it's it really is a reboot kind of experience um, because when you're locked in here all day, as cool as this place is, right? Um, it's you're still inside, and um, you sometimes forget the smells and the sound of the way the water laps up against the side of the boat, and you know the lighting and the color. You know what I mean? It fades away after a while. You know, it's because mm-hmm. your memory only lasts for so long right. you know, the sharpness of it at least right. so getting out there when you really refresh your brain it's like visiting an old friend sometimes you know i tell you uh i tell you where that where that really holds true with me is you know when i uh when i was first you know got big into fishing it was all marlin stuff all offshore mm-hmm. and it's because my dad was into it and you know his friends were into it and you know that was what i learned first and um now, when I get on a boat and there's big diesels in there, mm-hmm. and I'll get up, and just the sound of the diesels starts making me think and remember things mm-hmm. that I nev- never would come to my mind. Yeah. But that diesel, for whatever reason, it, 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 the sound and the smell, it triggers it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I don't know if that yep. made any sense no, to you. No, 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 no. I, I know the sound. I, I know the smell for sure. Right. You know what I mean? Um, the smell I actually can't stand, but some people <laughs> dig it. But I don't know. I've never been one of the guys that dug it. But, um, no, th- there's there's definitely things that take you back. I mean, and even for me, just seeing Hillsborough Light, you know what I mean, off the coast, and I'll just stare at it sometimes, and it just always just says home to me. Yeah. Um, you know, last week I was out fishing with um, Captain Vinny Lasorsa on the Mango. Okay. We were a Freedom Fighter Outdoors event. And um, he's like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. He's like, get on a kite rod, you know, whatever like that. And I was going to work a kite, and I did for a little bit. But I said, you know what? I want you to learn this guy. Once you work this kite, I grabbed just a spinner and a goggle eye, and I just went up to the bow for a little while. And I just relaxed. Just and fished. That's it. I just fished. And I, just, you know, I ended up catching a couple sails up there. And that really was just exactly what I needed. You know, I didn't need to work hard that day. I didn't need to sit there and keep changing kite baits out and all that stuff like that. I just just wanted to hang out. You know what I mean? I'm sitting there fishing on Jimmy Buffett's boat, and I just wanted to savor the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all I wanted to do. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Because, you know, probably a younger Dennis Friel would have been like, uh, let me jump in with both hands, and you'd have been yeah. busting your ass the whole day. And then, you know, yeah, it would have been sure. a totally different experience. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. And no doubt it would have been. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. The um so what, you can go out there and then um see somebody catch a fish or a fish jump or a fish fly or whatever and then what is it is it like when you're doing your art, is that is that like something that's stuck in your brain where you wanna like get it out? Or is it kinda like a compilation of everything or a feeling that you're trying to get out? Because <sighs> I mean, art's a funny thing. Yeah. And obviously, whatever the hell you're doing is working, and people are digging it. And 
I don't know. You know, it's funny. The, Am I, did I screw you up? No, way? no, no, because I'm really trying to figure out the right way to answer that because there's a million ways I can answer it because there's a million different things that run through my head at the time. Okay. And especially with the whole being out on the water aspect. Um, I think we saw a little bit of it when I was fishing with George on our episode to where, you know, I'm not going to try to like, you know, some artists will claim, oh, I got a photographic memory. And first of all, I, I think that's kind of a load of crap. But, you know, I just, you know, whether you say you don't look at pictures or whatever, you're probably looking at a picture every now and then just to figure out how a gill goes or an eye goes or maybe how the light's going to hit the forehead of a sail or whatever the case may be. Right, right. Because um, if, you know, if you're not looking at variation and variety, then your look work's going to look the same every single time if you're doing it the same way every single time. I never wanted to stick in that lane. I always wanted to be like, you know, at times, sometimes that sail's a different color or sometimes the light's going to hit it a different way. Um but you, you just try to really remember how the feeling was like when that sail just pops its head like that or, you know, when like the king hits the kite bait in the skies and it's like you don't necessarily remember that picture in your head, but you just remember how it felt. Mm-hmm. And you try to like portray that emotion. As a marine life artist, my responsibility is to study anatomy and to understand, you know, what the skin tones are like and you know what the fins go like and what the teeth are like and the eyes and the whole thing like that that's that's just that's my job right you know what i mean i need to know that stuff just like you need to know how to tie a bimini you know what i mean mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like whatever um those are my knots at the anatomy but you know you sensing whether or not that tarpon's going to bite or whether it's going to even be there just based on how you're going to see the conditions. and But sometimes you just feel that that fish is going to hit, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. but you can't really explain it sometimes. Right. It's kind of like coming up with that new painting. You know, it's just like, I just feel like that's how it's going to go. I just want it to go like that. Or, you know, or, or in a certain way, you're just trying to portray energy and create energy. And if that kite bait king created a certain type of energy that you want to portray and it's maybe it's not going to come out exactly the way that looked but it's going to come out the way it felt mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know i don't know if that really explains well yeah it, it definitely explains it because my question was is you know was there something that was stuck in your head and you're telling me that you know it's more of an emotion pretty much and the emotion comes out in the work mm-hmm. and then people can feel the emotion Okay, I feel you on that. Yeah. I feel you, and I'm sure that's not Maybe that. that's the separator. I don't know. Well, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to do it as best as I can in, in the most unique way as possible. Uh-huh. Um, for me, I can't, I don't want to stay in my lane um, too much. You know, I always try to do a different piece every now and then. I always trying to sprinkle in something, you know. Always, you know, I'm going to do a traditional piece if I have to. But I'll always try to do something that's going to have a different... Um, perspective um on how to approach even water mm-hmm. or a bait or just the use of color or even going completely off the wall with something um and that's okay you know i'm an artist you know i think i'm well within my rights to you know vary or experiment every now and then so i'm trying to come at things with all angles um you know to, to i don't want to define it i guess is my point so it's probably not the easiest question to answer by design right right well i think you did i think you did a great job because it's, it's not it's not easy to answer but um you know i firmly believe that people here um in south florida i firmly believe that they um perform at a much higher level mm-hmm. and for a number of reasons you know the um you know the cost of living the um competition level mm-hmm this is the type of town where if you don't evolve, you will get crushed. People will leave you, leave mm-hmm. you in the dust. No doubt. And I don't mean just in the fishing world. I mean in all aspects of life. Like one of the guys, like I went to high school with Mike Irvin, the mm-hmm. famous football player. Yep. You know? And lots of famous football players, you know, come from all over the country and all over the world. But if you notice, um, the guys that come out of South Florida seem to be more intense, more famous. And in Mike Irvin's case, he's still on TV today. Mm-hmm. You know how hard that is to stay on TV? Yep. Oh, what's he been on TV? 
since he's since he was a freshman in college. Yeah, he's to still now relevant. he's fifty three years old, mm-hmm. and he's on TV every friggin' week. Yeah, and there's something in me that makes me proud of Mike Irvin. Yeah, Dennis Friel. Thank you, George Gods, Peter Miller. Um, later on today, I'm going to do an interview with uh, Eric and Mike Leach. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it's like, I see the guys, you know, that, that are still here for one and that are performing at a really high level. And it just makes me feel like, hey, that's part of like, you know, that's South Florida pride. Yeah. South Florida is a special place. I mean, I, I was born and raised here. I, I, there's no other place I'm, I'd rather live or even would live. Um, and we always say that too. If I won the lottery today, I'd still have my my fish studio, and I'd probably just live in a nicer house. But <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to move anywhere else. I mean, there's no routes to go for me. Um, I always say South Florida is like the mecca um, for what we do. You oh, know, sure. It's the mecca of fishing. It's the mecca of fishing art. Um, and there's a reason for that. And it's not just our proximity in to you know great fishing. Uh, obviously, that has a lot to do with it. But it's the people. Um, and it's the way that the lifestyle, I think, um, you know, inspires the people just mm-hmm. to be a certain way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, there's, there's no place else in the whole country mm-hmm. that that's like the Tri-County area, especially. Mm-hmm. And then out of the Tri-County area, I mean, you know, as you, you know, as we're like right slap in the middle, there's no place in the country that's like this. No. I mean, not, not even close. When I, I went off to University of Connecticut. Um, out of high school, and that's when I first realized that people that grew up here in South Florida, did business here in South Florida, did anything here in South Florida, was on a whole different wavelength mm-hmm. than everybody else. Like, I couldn't even explain to the kids at University of Connecticut how our summers went. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? They get paper routes, and they're mowing lawns in the summer. And we're 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 bouncing around the uh, Caribbean and doing blue marlin fishing, and you know the uh, superstars on our beach like Miles Davis rolling around in his friggin' Lamborghini. <laughs> you know you see uh, who the hell is that comedian? No respect. Oh, um, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield yeah. used to hang out uh, on the Jackie beach. Gleason used to be down, right. big down here. Remember back in like the eighties and you know obviously Burt Reynolds and. Right. It's a little bit more north here than Jupiter. But the spring break stuff, the big yachts. Yep. You know, it's like only here. You know, the funny thing is you talk about that time, and it was a really interesting time because that's really when, like, Fort Lauderdale in South Florida really was, like, performing socially at a very high level. But the rest of the country didn't know about us yet, like, the way they know about us now. Yeah. We talked about it like, oh, you can't even afford to live here anymore. And you can't, you know, there's nowhere else to build because we're maxed out because of the Everglades. And which is probably a good reason we shouldn't be building anymore, by the way. Um, but, you know, it's almost like we've been found out. Oh, we definitely. You know, we're like, out. oh, crap. Secret's out. South Florida is the place to be. It's the best place in the world. Everyone knows it now. Yeah. And um, the, the, I mean, even though the rest of the state isn't like it is here. Yeah. People can't get in here anymore, so they're filling up now. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I, it was either Rufus Wakeman or his buddy Larry Jones, or I don't know. Somebody did a pay, uh, a post on Facebook about some conservation stuff here in South Florida, and somebody wrote a comment that said, "No vacancy." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that like for like three days. And, you know, if a politician here in South Florida, or the governor, or the senator, or whatever, used that as a campaign slogan no vacancy mm-hmm. i think a lot of people would be friggin' into that <laughs> they might be dude be how many yeah. pe- how many people we got down here millions and no, millions. well there's what there's there's a million and a half i think in broward right now and like a couple million in date right now so if you couple that i mean it's like three million people in a very condensed small area and how much vacancy do we have yeah none, none. i mean we're we're you know what we we talk about it on on the connected show a lot about you know water and whose responsibility is it and obviously the fun jewels get brought up all the time because of the sugar and they're right. certainly not unguilty. And um, it's easy. It's easy. It's to easy say, to hey, point the finger yeah. at them, but you know the sprawl in the state is to me the biggest reason. You know the runoff and and you know, the the impervious services that are happening from all the new construction, new homes are 
starting to creep in more towards the center of the state, and it's a little bit of an issue because um, yeah. it's going somewhere. The expansion of the Disney empires is a real big reason for it. I mean, there's there's you know, South Florida or just Florida in general is just growing, and um, I think it needs to be curtailed a little bit because you know we all need water and it's going bad. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a common. Topic. It was I think it was Flip Pallet wrote that thing you're talking about. I think that little. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you're right. But the um, the uh, no, Flip Fallot didn't write that. Somebody on Facebook just wrote in there. Maybe they got that. No, from no. Flip. Uh, the I th- well, the, the story I think that Rufus shared. Anyway, I don't want to get too with the story that. Rufus so you actually know the post that I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly oh, okay. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that was from. Because it really hit home with a lot of people, especially a guy like Flip who grew up in Southwest Dade. That's really seen. I mean, the, there used to be like deer and. <laughs> a bunch of beautiful things. I think he was talking about the the pythons right. and stuff. They were, you know, and they were trying to blame the pythons. It's like, well, just because they're the last one standing doesn't mean that they're the culprit. Well, the um, I don't know. Like, I'm the biggest pessimist when it comes to everybody's um, optimism towards you know getting where the government's going to actually help save the environment. Mm. I don't see it. Because I think DeSantis is doing a better job than most, though. I think he's doing a better job than most because I think he's willing to at least acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. But do you think for a second that DeSantis is going to have any influence over anybody else's desire to develop? No, I mean, because he needs to develop right. in order to be successful for the economy. And do you believe that overdevelopment is probably the number one reason that our... I think it's the number two reason. I think it's the number two reason. Okay. I really do think that the Sugar Land is really the number one reason. I really do believe that. Um, but I think, but I think that a very close second is expansion, uh, because I do feel that there's a certain swath of land that is not being turned over to the state. That if it was opened up, then the water can run a little bit, a lot more freely than it is right now, and that would solve a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that the sprawl. Um, is helping at all. And even if they did open up that land, we'd still have problems because of the, the expansion and the construction. So, well, yeah, I, I, I look, I just, I always look at, I look at my little ecosystem. It's a good point though. You talk about, I mean, cut you off. That's a good point though. Like what, you know, with, yeah, he I, doesn't want to stop construction. Right. And, and I don't, and no I don't, politician would. And, and, I, and a lot of business people and a lot of people, yeah. you know, it would, it would, the interest is not there. To slow the, to even slow it down, never mm-hmm. mind stop it. But you know, I can only look at captains for clean waters. They look at the Everglades National Park, mm-hmm. okay, and they got a plan, and I love it. I think it's great. I think we should have a plan. That's the one that's talked about. But in little small ways, it's happened in Pompano. It's happened in Fort Lauderdale. It's happening all over the state. So they can um, develop more. Our estuaries are destroyed. Like, for instance, 595 and the New River. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you went west on the New River before 595 was there, the water flowed freely into the New River, just like it should flow into the Everglades from basically the lake and the, and the sawgrass. Mm-hmm. And the water would flow down the river, and there was an estuary and the small snook and the crabs and oysters and grass shrimp and all sorts of shit was living in there, and it was normal for that to happen. Well, they wanted to build these huge neighborhoods. You know, on the west side of town. So first thing they do is they dam up the water. Mm-hmm. Second thing they do is destroy all the estuaries and put concrete and put roads. Now we have this road system that used to be an estuary, but now it's all concrete. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro Everglades National Park, but that was Fort Lauderdale. Same shit happened in Pompano. Mm-hmm. With all the, you know, it's a see this canal, see that canal. Every time you see one of those signs... They basically destroyed the estuary so they could do what? Develop. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening. I yeah, don't... it's no it, all valid good points. I mean, you know, it's um. So that see so the no vacancy thing. No vacancy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And they're coming coming back to that. You know, I mean, like, I really think that there's a time when we got to hang up the sign and say, "Hey, enough's enough. No vacancy. We can't keep developing. We can't keep taking." And I can't argue against taking. it. Yeah, no, I can't argue against it. The, the, we weren't, this really, there's a reason. I always say that Florida, especially South Florida, is like the last frontier of the continental United States. 
we were really the last to be developed. There's for good reason. Right. And it's I, hard. I mean, especially now with new building techniques, you could technically build anywhere. I mean, look at Dubai. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there's a reason that we were underdeveloped and we weren't built in, the, in our oldest places from the 50s kind of thing. That's like antique to us where you, know, you go up to New York, they have places from the 1600s still up. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> you're not going to find that anywhere near here because you really, we really aren't like designed to be built on. You know, and the, with the way that the structure is, with the way the land is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I took my kids to a park out here in Coral Springs a couple of weeks ago, and it was a very small park, and it had a very small little wildlife sanctuary in it. I say very small, I mean maybe it looks like a couple acres. And it looked very natural in there. And I said to my kids, I said, you see all in here? This is the way it used to look from the beach all the way to the Everglades. And they're like, no, really? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. this is what, now it's like, now they look at it, and they're six and eight years old, they're like, they don't believe me when I say that. Yeah. But it's really not, we really weren't ripe for construction here in the first place. Let me, let me um, ask you something. Mm. All right, so you take that eight or nine-year-old that you're talking about that never, yeah. never knew what it was supposed to look like, and he grows up and wants to be a marine artist. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How do you foresee his paintings? I tell him to move to Costa Rica, first <laughs> of all. <laughs> he wants to get any good reference um, to anything natural. Well, maybe they'll be, they'll, be, they'll be painting the pythons and tilapias and yeah. peacock bass and all the stuff that can live. Yeah, let me take tarpon jumping with cruise ships in the background kind of paintings. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. For the future, I mean, I don't know. This is probably where your no vacancy line comes into better play. You know, because when is, when is enough enough? I mean, because there's only so much room down here. Yeah. You know, you, you, people have tried to go and creep into the Everglades, and they've done it, and Weston, I think, was a complete mistake. And I think they recognize that, and that, once they did that, they're like, all right, we've got to stop this. You think they recognize it? Uh, I think the state recognized it. Really? At a certain point, yeah. Right. Uh, I think they're like, you know, we can't really allow that anymore. We're not going to get away with that anymore. Yeah. You know? See, I get that. I get but then you see Miami. It's going so west now. Yeah. Right? Those parts of Hialeah when you drive down to the Keys and it's like before you used to drive down to the Keys and hit the turnpike extension and head down and you can only look left right. and see anything develop. Now you're like not only can you you're look in the middle right. of everything. Yeah, you can drive ten miles west. Yeah. yeah. It, which is kinda nuts. And that's you know, where does that leave us with more westward expansion? Pompano you know, Pompano Pompano's done a, f- a a fairly good job of keeping Pompano Pompano. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I drive, I drive down A1A and, um, you know, I roll through uh, the Galt. And the Galt's always been the Galt. I can't remember when they used to have boxing down there. And right. It was like, you know, but it was always Vegas style. So, you yeah, know. Sinatra kind of lifestyle. Right. Yeah. So, you know, okay, I roll through there and I was like, okay, that was at least, you know, what I thought was going to be the Broadway of Fort Lauderdale. Now mm-hmm. it's, you know old folks home yeah, it's just old, old folks in condos <laughs> right. yeah but then you roll a little bit further north and as soon as you get into pompano you know it mm-hmm. yeah i mean it still feels like yeah it's an old salt town i yeah. mean i was talking to the mayor about it recently and i was like listen there's a lot of development going on in pompano right now a lot of big things are happening um but i asked him if uh, if, if he felt it was necessary to strike a balance to not lose the town's identity mm-hmm. right which goes back to what you know we were talking about with the bridge painting and you know it's not going to be that fishing town and that quaint little fishing village type of attitude um if you keep building it up like it is like fort lauderdale and he agreed he's like no he's like our goal is to keep the character of the town and to to keep pompano i mean it's named after a fish let's you know keep it, keep it that way yeah keep yeah. it fishy yeah and um you know it, it was important to him that it stays that way but obviously you know progress is going to happen and he kind of made a case for that which we just went through that, you know. Right. In the, um, in the social media and our YouTube videos over the years, I don't know if you've ever um, heard what we nicknamed Pompano. What's that? We call Pompano the T-top capital of the world. The T-top capital of the world. There is more T-top boats in Pompano <laughs> per square yard or mile yep. than any place that I've ever seen in my entire life. Yep, everyone's got their own little slice of paradise. Here. Right? Yeah. You go, I mean, not, seriously, you can go... Way west of Federal Highway and just drive through neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And the number of T-top boats that are sitting in people's yep. driveways. Yep. No other place I've ever been. Homosassa's close. 
Is it? You ever been to Homosassa? Um, it's on the on the west coast there. Yeah, that's it, where, it's north of Tampa. Yeah, you know, that's like where a, they do all the river tubing stuff. Crystal right? River. Yeah, yeah. And the I've never done that. There. I've always wanted to do that. I went there for my first time this last summer, and I brought my brought my little girl and my wife, and we went over there because um, the Flats Mafia crew was doing this thing called Scallop Fest. Okay. And they were going to go over there and party and hang out and catch scallops and then, um, you know, have a big social media type get together. And I'd actually met um, those guys through LunkerCon when we had LunkerCon over yeah. there. And they wanted to do this, so I wanted to go and, you know, do the West Coast thing. So we go to Homosassa and we roll in there and, man, it's all Florida like. Right. You know, big right. You know, mossy trees and it's swampy looking and the sawgrass is everywhere. I love that, by the way. But there was more boats on trailers than there were freaking cars. And it was one of the few places I've ever been where you just drive by lot after lot after lot where they'd have two, three, four boats in the yard. Really? You know, they'd have the little skiff, the little mullet boat. Then they'd have their, you know, maybe a pontoon boat. And then, you know, some of the guys are commercial fishing and they had the bigger boat with the diesel in it. And they would, and it was like boats galore. And I thought about that. I was like, I wonder if Pompano looked like this before. All the big buildings and yeah. all that. Yeah, probably every, most of them had like 17 whalers, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Homosass is cool. Dude, That you know, if, you, if you've never been there, and how, how, old, you got, how old's a kid? Six and eight. Six and eight. Yeah. Take, yeah. take them there. They got will some buddies of ours that I went to high school with. He ended up moving to Lakeland, mm-hmm. and um, they used to go there every year. They now live in Melbourne, so they go there less. But they've always been trying to talk us into going. No, I'd love to do that. Well, as hardcore fishermen as I am, we went to Homosassa. Didn't pick up a fishing pole. We went out. We did a little bit of scalloping. Hung out there. We went in. We went and saw the the uh, what do you call it? The uh, springs. Mm-hmm. And then they call it Crystal River for a reason. You can right. look right down and see all the stuff. Then we went to the local restaurants, and we did all this stuff. I mean, seriously, two days, slap full of stuff to do. Never picked up a fishing rod and was perfectly content. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And then and then to, to watch my kid, you know, get to soak it all in. Yeah. I thought that was awesome because, you know, she grew up here in Fort Lauderdale. She don't see that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Seeing the kids' faces when you take them out of South Florida, I mean, as much as we like to prop up South Florida and say, oh, this is the best place, it really is day-to-day, I think, the best place to be. Um, but when you get out of here for a little while, I mean, Florida's a beautiful state, a lot of beautiful things to see. And to see, see their kind of eyes open up and say, wow, this is Florida too. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, man, yeah. To- totally, totally different. And, yeah, it was what? Four and a half hour drive? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, because Tampa's what, four? I went around to Sarasota in art school. That was a three hour drive. Yeah, it's not that much further out more than that. Do you uh, do you see a, a difference um, in South Florida as far as the demand for your style of art between the West Coast of Florida and the East Coast of Florida? You know, that's a really good question because I do have um, basically buckets that I fill for the different categories of art. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things about being in South Florida is, you know, we're really able to expand upon our apparel business because a lot of the bigger boats are here. A lot of people that have teams here, a lot of big charter boats are here mm-hmm. where they're really um, providing a lot of apparel for people, whether it be their team, whether it be their customers. Um, but when you go to the West Coast, it's a lot more tarpon fishing, a lot more inshore snook fishing and stuff like that. And you're guys with flats boats or bay boats, and they're not really going to order the minimum requirement of the amount of shirts that they need to complete an apparel order. Right. Um, so I got to treat that customer differently. So we'll target them, you know, in a different way. Um, and, you know, it's a just a different market. It's totally different you know? market. So the, the Costa Rica crowd is a little bit more like the South Florida mm-hmm. crowd mm-hmm. You know, for us. Mm-hmm. Um but you almost have to treat that West Coast crowd, uh, with the exception of the guys that go way out, um, almost more like bass fishermen. You know, you have to treat them more like a freshwater customer. It's definitely, it's they're definitely on the West Coast. Yeah, there's right. a big difference between the West Coast and the East Coast, and um, you know, our LunkerCon event. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to come to those, by the way. Yeah, you should. You should come. Just yeah, George was trying to tell me all about it. Yeah, yeah it's it's pretty nuts. It's it's crazy how many um, of the, 
when you go to LonkaCon, you look across the room. Mm-hmm. You see all the best fishermen. You know, not yeah. necessarily not necessarily the most famous people in the world to everybody else, but if you're really into fishing, yeah, you see all the best dudes show up and hang out together, and it's like it 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 kind of freaks you out because you're not used to that. Mm-hmm. You know, usually the best dudes are hardly ever together. And if they are together, it's usually at a tournament or a banquet or type of... Right, or I cast or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, it's just not, you know, a fun atmosphere. And then, to, and then to watch them all come together to hang out, basically just to, for the social aspect of it, mm-hmm. is really kind of like a, I don't know, it's weird. And then you get the guys like George Gods and Peter Miller and the dudes that got TV shows that have the big names. They want to be right there, too. And um, it's kind of neat, but we were getting requests... For guys on the west coast mm-hmm. you know hey come over here you know we'd, we'd love to sit you know and um i think it was like five years ago um maybe six years ago now we was like let's get in the car and go over to tampa and see what it's all about so me and lamont and um if you don't know lamont is lamont's might have been my youtube producer mm-hmm. and the whole reason that i ever went digital was this kid lamont i mean he knew how to do stuff that other people just didn't know about yet yeah so Lamont and I get in the car and we go over there blind. And we get on social media and we tell the audience, you know, hey, we're over here in Tampa. We're thinking about doing a longer con. And then the social media started because we had no clue. I didn't even know how to get around Tampa. I've only been there like twice before. Right. And then they're like, oh, go check out this place. Go check out that place. So we start bouncing around Tampa because of the guys on social media telling us where to go. And... um Bubba, who ended up being in the Flats Mafia crew, was working at this brewery. It was like, hey, come by the brewery that I work at. Maybe you guys can do it here, which we did, and it ended up working out there. And we go to Tampa for the first time and realize I had no clue, you know, if anybody would show up or not. 500 people strong showed up in Tampa at a place I've never been to before to do LonkerCon. And I, cool. real, I realized then that the West Coast, even though it's totally different than the East Coast, mm-hmm. they love fishing. They love guys they like... They do love fishing. They love this type of stuff, Connected by Water and mm-hmm. Dennis Friel. They see your stuff, and they're fans, and they want to be a part of it. And even though it's totally different than here, huge fan bases are there. We've gotten a lot of love from the West Coast. There's no doubt about it. And, um, and you feel it, right? You totally feel it. I, I've, all right. I was fortunate enough to go to art school in Sarasota, so I do have a little bit of exposure. But that was a long time ago. You know what I mean? But I do have a exposure on what the lifestyle is like there, which I think is important to understand because it's a really kind of a different mindset. Totally. Even their tourists are different. So whereas we will get tourists from like the Northeast. Boston and New York and you know, stuff New like Jersey. that. We're getting here in New Jersey, especially you know, down here on the West Coast. They're getting a lot of like Ohio, Michigan, more people from like Central, which I always thought that was kind of not weird, but I thought it was interesting. I never, I didn't really understand that until I went to school in Sarasota, and you know, a lot of people from Quebec. I mean, you come into Sarasota and it says "Welcome to Sarasota," it also says it in like French Canadian. It really, it's like, (laughs) that was shocking to me. I'm like, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, At least it did back then. I don't know if it still does now. Um, But we started doing the the grouper grapple tournament um, in Fort Myers. Okay. And they they asked us to come. It's a benefit tournament for for, um, Freedom Alliance, which is a take a veterans fishing organization. And we started doing that early on and opening up um, Dennis Rillard Studio Studio. Okay. Okay. and they asked us to do it. We did it on a whim. You know, it was cool. We did a shirt design for them. We set up, and I just did it. Just, just be active and do something to maybe access the West Coast a little bit. Mm-hmm. The love that we received from Fort Myers was just tremendous and still receive. I mean, we still have so many customers over there and friends. That's the interesting thing about this business is, ironically, a lot of these customers just organically become your friends because you have so much in common, mm-hmm. you know, being an enthusiast about being on the water and just the lifestyle and stuff like that. It's an easy business to become friends with people. 
um, which is good and bad. And it's easier to become friends with people on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It that's is. very true. You know, it, I mean, great people over there. I mean, we've received a lot of lot of love from like the Peachy family and the Kagan family, and you know, it's just you know, huge supporters of the studio. Um, well, so in our social media, we 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 developed a relationship with the West Coasters because we made fun of them. Okay. And they have such a good sense of humor compared mm-hmm. to the East Coasters. The East Coasters, man, they would fight you for the yeah. stuff that we were talking about. You know, yeah. They were talking about trouts and reds and their snooker half ladyfish and, you know, yeah. kind of sparring, you know, East Coast, West Coast mm-hmm. type thing. And even when we did LunkerCon, it ended up being like East Coast versus West Coast. Right. And then when the West Coast had more attendees than the East Coast. Really? Really. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, so anyway. They come out to play, though. They do. You know, the West Coast comes out to play. I'll give them that. Um, you know, I don't know if it's maybe because if, maybe if it's arrogance over here on the East Coast, which I can see might be one of the reasons. Um, maybe it's because there's, like, so much sprawl here and it's so kind of overgrown and maybe people have other things to do. I don't know. But over there, especially in Fort Myers, they come out to play. They do. You give them a reason, they'll party. Yeah, no, they do. Participation, having a good time, bringing their friends. Yep. I mean, really, really impressive. And um, I feel fortunate that I have the relationship mm-hmm. with the fishermen on the West Coast. Like we, like, I mean, really, I think I, mean, I think I have a better relationship with some of the West Coasters. Really? Than the East Coasters. I don't know. I can I can kind of see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they you know, like you said, they're friendly. That Midwest, very friendly. Mid, and wood, and maybe that's it. Maybe they got the wood, the wood myth, the Midwest, Midwest influence, mentality, yeah, yeah mentality, influence yeah. or whatever. Maybe they just haven't been scorned, or maybe whatever. But it sure does. Uh, I don't know. It floored me, and I'd imagine that. Um, I'd imagine that the the art that you guys do. Um, I'm sure the West Coasters are, are yeah. just huge fans. You know, the funny thing is, is that you know we were just talking about this recently at one of our meetings into where you know we need to start doing some new content for the west coast fishermen because so much of our content that we produce here is geared towards the east coast fishermen because that's what we have the closest access to that's where we get most of our business to so you know if if i don't draw or paint another sailfish for like another year i won't be unhappy (laughs) you know because it's like non-stop with the sailfish you sound, you sound like me at the end of tarpon season yeah it's like non-stop with the sailfish but um you know no i gotta do a whole new run of like tarpon a whole new run of snook and you know and just do some new paintings some new individual fish for apparel and things like that um and i love doing them and that's and that's the other part of it you know it's, i love those fish just as much as any other fish yeah for sure. Yeah. Now I think I think the I think the real reason I started making fun of the West Coast is because we don't have trouts and redfish here. Mm-hmm. So what do you know? What am I going to say? Right. I can't compete with you. Right. So. Right. <laughs> Might right. as well make fun of you. Yeah. It was a little easier <laughs> than competing. But the um, I don't know, Dennis. Go to that Homosassa area. And uh, no, I, I want to check it out. Yeah, I think it'd be great for your mind, as far as like you said, getting away from everything. Letting your mind. Well, that's the whole. Go to work. That's the whole idea. Of connected by water, is it's not really just about fishing to me. You know, the the whole idea that we try to portray in the studio, and I know I paint fish, but one of the things that we want to start getting even more into is our mindset of the lifestyle and the culture behind water, and everything that evolves and breathes around it, and that's right down to the people, um, and right down to just you know, whether it's hanging out on the beach or. You know, sitting in the mud in the Everglades or whatever the case may be. You know, it's all about not being indoors and just living that life and understanding the value of it. Well, let me, and we'll end the podcast on this, but um, I'm going to get a little heavy on you. Do it. All right. So my, the wife and I. Hold we, on, let me start stretching. Now you're going you're gonna to dig it. You're going to dig it. The wife and I get married. Mm-hmm out in the Abacos, the outer islands. And we get married by this one little priest in this one small church that overlooked the water. And um, the guy that married us, Vernon, he's from Hopetown, in our sermon, he told me that my wife and I were like two islands that looked at each other and that admired each other. 
and the islands were connected by water. Come on. I swear to God. Dude. Stop it. I swear to God. He says, and the islands are connected by water. And you consider that water the strength that you and your wife have together. You're going to make me cry. I'm making myself cry, but I swear I told you it was heavy. Wow. Right? Really? Yeah, I swear to God. That's so good. Isn't that cool? That is cooler than cool, man. Dennis, thanks for inviting me out here to the studio. I wish you all the luck. I think you're doing a great job. And um, I'm sure Connected by Waters is going to be a great hit because not only do you have talent, you understand business, and that's what it takes in today's day and age. I appreciate it, Jeff. And it's been a pleasure having you here in the studio. And, you know, this is the first time we're meeting, and I couldn't be more impressed myself. Run that dog. Run that dog. There you go. <laughs>